The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church. Good to have you here today. I love the Word, man. I, the more I get in the Word, the more it just, it just blows me away. And I, I think I've been in it for like decades, and it's still just like, and it just just like layer after layer after layer, and I keep peeling layers back, and I'm just like, man, Lord, you are so good to us, and, and it's so profound and so powerful, yet at the same time, it's so simple, and so I, I look at it, and, and there are some hard sayings in the Word of God. I mean, there's some, there's some hard stuff in there, um, like uh, love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Like, don't love God just love him, but love him with everything in you. So love him more than anything else. Um, there's uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this, like, just stop and think about that, man. Like, you love yourself. You love yourself a whole lot. You spend a lot of money on yourself. You spend a lot of time on yourself. You do a lot of things to please yourself. And Jesus said, love your neighbor like that. Um, he said, if your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off. <laughs> like, I see a lot of you still got your right arm. What's going on here? It's a hard saying. He said, um, you have heard that it has been said to hate your enemies, I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. <laughs> like, they, what? Don't just love them, but move into a, the sphere of the spiritual and people who are persecuting you, pray for them. And then he does it on the cross of Calvary. They're crucifying him. He looks down at the guys who are gambling for his clothes, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They are literally persecuting him physically. And he's praying for them. They are, there's no way that you could look at it and go, okay, these are his friends. Like, these are his enemies. He's looking out at the people who are responsible for orchestrating his, his uh, persecution, his crucifixion, if you will, and, and he's praying for them, even the religious leaders who are the ones who are responsible for making sure that it's happening. He's looking at them and he's saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And so we look at all of this stuff and, 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 and we see like, man, this is hard. As a matter of fact, I would go as far to say it is impossible in human power. Like you cannot love your enemy and pray for them. Certainly, Jesus doesn't mean that if we do sin to, to, to literally cut our right arm off. He doesn't mean that. What he's meaning is that there has to be such a transformation of our lives that we value following him and obeying him and 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 walking out a holy life more than we do our physical life. That's what he's trying to reinforce to us. And so he's trying to show, to, show us in the Sermon on the Mount that there is a, a shift fundamentally 
in all that we are. And, and he's, he's describing something that literally is impossible in human power. And so the question becomes, how do we do that? And the good news is, is that John, in chapter 3, verses 11 through 24, as we talk about love life, and we extend it on to, to this week, he, he shows us it's what we do. Now, this is very important because I'm using this terminology, it's what we do. But we cannot do it unless there's something that shifts in us. And so it has to be what we are in order for us to be able to do the very thing that we're supposed to do. It's, it's, not, something that, it's not something that we do out of obligation. And John's going to show us that. He's going to say, man, if, we, if you're going to love life and you're going to walk away from this, like, this, this stuff that is being taught that's confusing you in the church, this heretical teaching that it doesn't matter how you live, it does matter how you live, but the reason it's going to matter how you live is because if you truly are transformed by the power of Christ, these things are going to happen to you and you're going to live a different way. Therefore, be ye holy as he is holy. Like, we're to, how do you be holy? Well, you better, there better be something intrinsically that is transformed in you, or you can't be holy. Like, like how do you, just think about it. Like, be holy. Go be holy today. Now, some of you, if, if Pittsburgh gets up on the Chiefs, that's not happening today, right? He says, be holy as he is holy. And so there's something in us that has to happen because holiness is like a theological term. It's like, I can tell you to go out there and be happy, and you know what that means, but to go out there and be holy. That means that you're, you're holy, like set apart and sanctified. You are pleasing in the sight of God. He looks at you and he says, I'm pleased with what I see there. <laughs> what do you do? And go get every dime you have and go down to inner city and help homeless people? Are you holy then? No. So, so there's a problem here. It's like, like Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount, we have to be changed into something else. And John is showing us that, that when we begin to love life, and as I, as I shared last week, we will sin less. He's going to show us today, like, this is how we love, and, and so we've been, he's been building up to this whole thing is that we are to be people of love, like we love each other. And so he's going to show us how that works, and, 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 and he starts in verse 11 in chapter 3 of our text, and he says, for this is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. Like from the beginning that you that Christ came into your life, this is the message. You should love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart. The great commandment, like it's all wrapped up in there. And he says, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death, and anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. And so he, like, he builds this case, and we're going to see as we trace out all the text. He basically, in chapter 2, he was telling us that 
that, that being a part of the kingdom was about fellowshipping with each other. And now in chapter 3, he's showing us that being a part of the kingdom is about relationships with each other. And there are four forms of relationship that we see that he lays out in verses 11 through 24. The lowest form is you can murder people. Uh, the second form that he will show us is that you can hate people. Like both of those are definitely unchristian. Like you can't be a Christian to do those. The third one is indifference. Like you're just indifferent toward the needs of people. And the fourth one is that you are compassionate toward others. Like you just love people. So like the first response out of a person who knows Jesus, the first response out of our heart is one of love, not one of hate. So regardless, like somebody, somebody does something evil in our lives. And the response is to be one of love. Uh, there's, a, there's a lady in my church back in Oklahoma. We reached her. Um, when, when we reached her, she was really at a broken spot. Her daughter was kidnapped when she was a little bitty girl. Her name was Kirsten Hatfield. And they, the police in the investigation started to kind of like accuse her. And so we got her, and I met her after a lot of this had happened, I'd remembered the story, seeing it on the news and so on and so forth. She ends up giving her life to the Lord, becomes a rock-solid leader in our church. But for, um, and this happened, you know, way back in, in the late 90s. And so for years, there's been a cloud hanging over this woman's life that people think that she possibly could have had something to do with that whole thing. Well, the case recently, like, had gotten cold and it recently broke wide open. Um, and, and they found, like, they linked the DNA evidence from the scene of the crime to a neighbor two doors down. He was convicted in the courtroom on Friday and sentenced to life without parole. And, and so, like, it's just been a big breakthrough. But what's been amazing is to watch um, this sister of mine, Shannon, go through this process of knowing this person, this person, abducted my daughter and murdered her. I don't even know where my daughter is today. She's carried this around, and she already had forgiven the person before she knew who, who, who they were. And I, like, I know Shannon well, okay? Like, I, she's a great friend of mine, texting back and forth, even during the, all this process. She loves this guy who did this to her daughter. Now, how do you do that? And that's what John is talking about. He said, when you meet the Lord, that's the kind of love that you have. It's the same thing that Jesus had when he was hanging on the cross and he looks down at the people and he even sees all of us whom the Bible says that in that while we are sinners, we are enemies of God. We're not friends of God, we're enemies. And the Lord on the cross of Calvary is praying for even all of us prior to us meeting him and becoming the kind of thing that he is. And that is a that God becomes part of our lives. And so, so we look at this and we see that a, a person must be transformed to have that kind of love. And so when we say to love your brother, we're not simply saying that you perform an action. We're saying there's something in you that is shifted and you no longer are comfortable being like Cain who went the way of the evil one. Your heart has shifted and the divine love of God is now in you. You're not the same thing that you used to be. And so the first takeaway for us today is that true love is motional. Like, it's just in motion. It comes out. 
if you if somebody slaps you on the face, turn to the other cheek to him also. Now, people get hung up on this because they say, man, I just don't know if I could follow Jesus when he's saying, man, why I just sit there, turn back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying you ought to be the kind of person that if somebody did slap you in the face, your heart would be one that you had yield, like coming out of you would be compassion for the person, not I'm going to take you out. It's a big difference. There's a lot of people, man, I saw a video online of the, uh, what, what game was it? The Panthers this last week. There, was a, there were fans in the stand. Did you see that video? Oh, my goodness. Was on, uh, I saw it on the news, man. There's a young guy. Like, look, he was in his 20s or 30s. A guy sitting behind him in his 60s. They got into an argument. And the young guy just pelts this guy and just repeatedly is bashing him in the face. <laughs> That's not love. Right? And, and, and when we see this kind of attitude, say, well, yeah, I would never do that. You'd be on social media and you get upset and you just start hammering somebody. That's not love. You're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off and you lose it. And we've all been there. Did to catch it? That's not love. And so if it does come out, the first thing that ought to happen for us is just what, what John says is we have to recognize, oh man, I'm stepping into sin. This is not being like the Lord. This is being like myself and I've died to myself. And so he's, he's teaching us is that if we're going to be the people that God has, has died for us to be, then true love is emotional. It just comes out of us. And so, uh, to love life means that, that, that we are able to like hear from the Lord and believe what he said. And, and so that's what made the difference between Abel and Cain. Abel was righteous because he heard and believed. Repeatedly through the New Testament, when Abel is referred to, we see this in him. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says this, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So to love life, we must be able to hear the word of the Lord and put it in motion, and that's what made Abel's sacrifice acceptable. I'm going to show you something very interesting about this. True love longs to do something. As a matter of fact, true love that is motional, okay, it, it longs to do something. It, it's, it longs to do something so much so that it must do th- something, and it often costs us. It's often sacrificial, and that's the kind of love that must be emotional. So we're not just talking about anything that anybody would say, well, this is love, okay? You go and buy your sweetheart a, a box of chocolates, and that is love. No, that's kind of affection. We're talking about divine agape love, the kind of love that came out of Jesus while he was hanging on the cross. That's the kind of love we're talking about. Becoming that kind of person. We're not talking about romantic love. We're not talking about eros. We're not talking about philea, where we're talking about friendship love. We're not talking about storge, which is like um, uh, affectionate love. We're talking about agape, hanging on the cross, dying, looking down at people, and coming out of you as love. You've heard it said, to hate your enemies, but I tell you to pray for those, um, your enemies, and pray for those who persecute. Love them and pray for those who persecute you. See, that's, that's love, that's emotional love. And so he tells us, this is the kind of person that we're supposed to be. And so when true love is put in motion, what happens is that it causes shame in one who can't do it. 
That's why John says in our passage here, do not be surprised if the world hates you. That's, it hated Jesus because he was true love in motion. Like he loved everybody and they couldn't love like Jesus loved and it drove them crazy because they had become so religious and so legalistic that they felt like he was violating the law and they loved the religion. They were in love with the religion and they, they couldn't love people. So therefore they couldn't love God. And so it caused shame and they, 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 uh, they had him executed on the cross of Calvary. Well, the same thing is happening in the very first people we meet in the Bible, this first family with Adam and Eve, and now they have these sons, Cain and Abel. And Abel was able to love, no pun intended, because he was walking with God and agape love was in him. And when he did that, Cain couldn't stand it. And so Cain felt shame and he ends up taking out his brother, the first murder. Now this is, this is very interesting. Cain is not presented as an atheist in the Bible. What is he presented as? A worshiper. He brought an offering. <laughs> Abel brought an offering, Cain brought an offering. But Cain's offering was unacceptable. And so when we see this, children, and, and, and what's interesting is in the text previously last week, I told you there were like two categories of people, and, and, and it says it right there in the Word, that you, you're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. That, that's, that's what the Bible teaches, because there's only two classifications of people. And so he says um, that, that Cain, again, he's not presented as, as an atheist, but as an, a worshiper, and then when we take that classification of people that John taught us last week, children of the devil masquerade often as true believers of light. They attend gatherings, they even bring offerings, but this is not proof that they are born again and born of God. Remember, he just keeps hammering over and over to us. Little children, little born ones, you must be born again, Jesus says, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. What is he talking about? He says, man, there's got to be such a transformation of you that the spiritual life of God is now put in you, and that only happens by a spiritual birth. And so um, the proof, the test that this has happened is love in motion. Like, are, are we the kind of people that has love in motion? Cain failed the test because his love was emotion, not motion. His love was all about how he felt. You see, all of us have a physical lineage and all of us have a spiritual lineage. And, and, and Cain rejected God's word and decided to worship in his own way, his feelings, and so he brought what he thought was good enough. It was based on his emotion, not the motion of the Lord. But Abel brought his gift, and it was based upon the motion of what the Lord was doing in his life. He heard from the Lord. The Lord had given instructions about what the offering had done, should be. And so he heard from the Lord, and he followed in obedience. He heard the voice, and he obeyed. And he was just walking out in the love of, of God. Cain also heard the word, but he changed it. Hello? Like, this is the big thing that's wrong in the American church today. Is that, well, we've got to adapt culturally. No, the word of God is the word of God. And if it, if it ceases to be that, then God ceases to be God, and we have elevated ourselves above what he has said. 
And that is messed up. And so like, that's what Cain was guilty of. He was a religious dude. He was described as a worshiper. He brought an offering, but God rejected it because he decided to worship in his own way as opposed to what the truth of the word taught him to worship. And so his spiritual lineage was Satan. And Satan is always turning people away from the revealed will of God. That's always what's going on. He's always trying to get us to oppose what God has revealed for us to follow through with, and that's what the whole walk of life is about. And so his love was rooted in emotion as opposed to love in motion. And what I'm trying to get at is that you can't love emotionally without God doing a work inside of you. That's what John is trying to show us. Like, you cannot do this. And so John says, don't be surprised if people in the world hate you when you do this because it causes shame in their lives because they're incapable of doing it. Why are they incapable of doing it? Are you better than them? No, you're not better than them at all. We are all desperately wicked, okay? We all come into the world the same way. But what happens is when we receive the covering of Christ over our lives and we're transformed, the book of Corinthians teaches us, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. We are transformed with the ability to love like Jesus. But if we've never been transformed, we cannot love like Jesus. This is why sometimes you grow up in a home and you see you've got a godly grandmother or grandfather and you looked up to them and you saw how much they loved the Lord and, and like you just, you feel a sense of loyalty, but you keep banging your head against the wall because you can't do it like they did. Why? Because Jesus was in them. And so Jesus may be in your head, but he never made it to your heart. And that's what John is trying to show us is that, is that love must, this kind of love must be rooted in the motion of God and not the emotion of man. And so the question becomes, how in the world do I do that? Well, he shows us. Verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Did you hear it there? Like Jesus did it, so we should do it. We should be the same kind of thing that Jesus it was. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? See, John is asking the question. If they're not a person who can truly put love in motion, it's just coming out of them. I'm reminded of Jesus saying, I will make you a wellspring of life springing up into eternity. What does that mean? It means love is in motion in your life. It just comes out. You don't have to sit around and think about it. You just see a need, and man, all of a sudden, the Lord has his way with you, and the Spirit can prompt you, and love can come into the world, love like Jesus, because it's put in motion in your life, because the agape love is in you. And so he says, how? He says, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Here's the second takeaway. Actions never change the heart, but the heart always changes actions. Like your actions are never going to change your heart. So like you look, I mean, use this story again about, uh, in, uh, you know, um, I use this story because I think we all have it. Uh, we know someone, uh, maybe in our family history or someone we look up to, and they're godly people, and we're, we're like, we try to be like them. 
but we're trying to be like them actionally. And your actions can never alter um, your, 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 uh, your heart, but your heart always will change your actions. And so a person who walks this out and it seems easy for them, it is easy. That's the point. Loving like this should not be hard. It should be hard to not love like this if you truly know Jesus. You see, we, 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 we've, we've kind of gotten this place in the American culture with our faith that it's work to love people. And, and that's not what the scripture teaches. It should be work to not love people. This is why Jesus is being so emphatic is that if somebody slaps you on the face, turn your other cheek to them also. He's not telling us that we should get beat up every time we get into a battle. That's not what he's saying. He's saying we should be the kind of people that if that happens, that's our first response, not get even. And so he's, he's setting up the impossibility of us being able to do this life that he's called us to live unless we are born of God. And so, so he, we look here and we see that um, actions can, never change the heart, but the heart always changes actions. Love in motion always originates from the heart while emotional love is always rooted in the head. Remember, in order to know God, you must take the short journey from your head to your heart. And so God does something in our lives and he invites us as human beings. Jesus said, I'm reminded of the gospel of John. No man can come to me unless the father draws him unto himself. And so the journey may be in my head. He's drawing me to make it to my heart. That's why Jesus said, many people said that we cast out demons in your name. We did this. We fed the hungry. He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never what? Knew you. You knew me in the head, but I'm interested in your heart. Because your heart will change the kind of person you are. So he said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means that the information has moved from my head where religion exists into my heart where relationship is. And so um, love in motion always originates from the heart while emotional love is always rooted in the head. Love in motion happens because it's what a person is. Emotional love happens because a person feels it should be done. Do you see the difference? It's an obligation. Oh, man, I guess. There's some people go, I guess we got to go to church. I'm going to feel guilty. And some people are like, I can't wait to get to church. What's going on there? Some love is in motion and some love is emotion. Some love is I got to go because that's what good Christians are supposed to do. And some people realize this is my family. I can't wait to see them again. We gather. Do not forsake the gathering and assembling of yourselves together. See what I mean there? It's like, it's a difference. It's so love that is rooted in the head always acts out of obligation and feelings. And that is dangerous because the first um, law uh, of physical life is self-preservation. The strongest and fittest survive. But the first law of spiritual life is sacrifice. What did Jesus say? You want to find your life? Lose it. What is the song we sing? Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down. Where? At the feet of Jesus. See, the first law of spiritual preservation is sacrificing ourselves. And that's the kind of love that is to be in motion in our, in our lives. The DNA of the devil is protect yourself. Go for yours. You better go for yours because I'm going to get mine, right? The DNA of Jesus is sacrifice yourself. 
This is why John is saying you're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. There's a DNA to, to both. There is a spiritual lineage. And so that's why Jesus says you must be born again, born into the family of, um, uh, 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 of, of God. The, uh, flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And so for love to be emotional, we must for, focus on the heart and our actions will follow. And the lie of religion, religion is to focus on your actions and the heart will follow. Just keep working on it, man. Just keep going to church, keep doing this, keep doing that, and all of a sudden you will change. No, you won't. You will never, ever be able to change and be pleasing to God until there is a shift in your heart. That's the gospel. Like This is the simple gospel. It's that your heart must be transformed. It doesn't matter how many times you go to church or how much money you give or how much service you give into the kingdom. Like It doesn't matter. It ma- matters is your heart. You say, well, aren't you expected to go to church and give and serve in the kingdom? Yes, but from your heart, not your head. And when that shifts, you become a a person who is able to just do love because of what you are, not because of what you feel like you should do. So emotional love comes out of us because why? Divine agape love has been put in us. Now, watch what he does here in verse 19. So we see true love is emotional. Actions never change the heart, but the heart always changes the actions. Then he says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Listen to what your heart will do. If our hearts, he's talking about fleshly hearts, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us. We have confidence before God, and we receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. How do we know we're doing what pleasing him? What's pleasing him? Because we're his kids, and he is in us, and he's having his way with us. And our first law of, of, of spiritual preservation is sacrifice, and so we're willing to sacrifice things for him and listen to him and obey him like Cain did. And we're not people of religion. We're people of relationship, so we're just doing what pleases him, and he is divine, and he can look into our hearts, and he knows what's going on in our hearts. And this is his command to believe. Here's his command. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them, and this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Here's the third thing. To, be, to believe in Jesus is to be like Jesus. To believe in Jesus is to be like Jesus. Like to really get it. The, the Bible says, I started to say, the Bible says some fascinating things. I think James is the one who said, the brother of Jesus said, um, you believe? Well, even the demons in hell believe that Jesus was the son of God. And so there can be a head knowledge But if you really get it, you're not just going to believe it in your head. It's going to move to your heart. You're going to be born again, and you're going to be like Jesus. It's a a totally different way to look at things. The great commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. The second one is like it to love uh, your neighbor like yourself. Humans are incapable of doing that without the Lord. And so when we look to Jesus, what is unique about Jesus? Is it that he died? No, there have been many men who have died. Is it that he loved sinners? Well, that's, that's cool, but that's not it. 
Here's, let me give you, here's what is unique about Jesus. All of God was in him. He was all of man, humanity. This is why it is necessary, like logically, like people sometimes get hung up on, man, I just can't, how can you believe in the virgin birth? And I said, how can you not believe in the virgin birth? Like, logically, it is impossible for a holy being to make an unholy being right unless a, a sacrifice is made that brings justice to the situation. And so a holy being that is like the other being must pay the penance of the being. And so the holy being is Jesus who is God in the flesh who died and never sinned, which all other human beings sin. And so what's unique about Jesus is that he is God and he dies in my stead. And so when I look at this and say, man, it, 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 humans are incapable of doing this without the Lord, and we look to Jesus and we see that all of God was in Jesus, we realize in order to love like this, like Jesus, all of God must be in us. And that's why we must be born again. And so when we're dealing with people, and so, you know, I'd like to think that most of you are born again, okay? I don't know. I have no idea. Um. Sometimes the devil will use, like you say, well, I can't let, I can't get born again because they already think I'm born again. That's ridiculous, man. If you've never met the Lord, that's the most important thing that you need to deal with in your life. But, but, but what we need to understand is when we're interacting with people in our lives, they're not all born again. Even if they say they believe in Jesus, they may know him in their head, but they don't know him in their heart. And, and, and so we got to look to them. Well, how are we to treat them? With love, man. Just like God treated us before we knew him. And so we are to love these people into the kingdom and help them to understand that there is a journey from the head to the heart. And when that journey is taken, transformation takes place in our lives. All of God is in us. That's what it means to be indwelt with the Holy Spirit. He moves into our lives. We are transformed into new creations. We are no longer uh, enemies of God. We are called children of God. We are no longer sinning against the creator if we sin. We're sinning against our Father. There's a fundamental shift that happens in our existence. And so we look at this and we see we live in him and he lives in us and so here's the here's the thing that I'm trying to, to hammer home today we are not saved through loving we are loving because we're saved like God has saved us from our sins and transformed us into these loving creatures. And to live in him is to abide. And he, I love verse 19. Look what he does. Verse 19 is, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. That's what the world needs, man, is some hearts that are set at rest in the presence of God. The heart of flesh will condemn us, but greater is he that is in us. That's what John is teaching us. It's like we gotta look and if God is in us, I am reminded of Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Soul rest the whole mission of Jesus. The yoke 
is always described from a rabbi as his teaching. That's what the yoke is, the yoke of a rabbi's teaching. And so he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. So the yoke is to learn or is to come to a place where you sit with him and learn from the word. John uses the word over and over and over again. The Greek word meno, it means to abide. Jesus said in John chapter 15, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And so the yoke of Jesus is to sit with him in the word and in prayer and allowing the Holy Spirit who lives in you to impress upon you what he's trying to say to you and follow through in obedience like Abel instead of trying to make your own way like Cain. True love is emotional. False love is emotional. I do what I feel like. True love says I yender to Jesus. He is Lord. I sit at his feet and learn. I yoke up with him and I find rest for my soul. It's a big difference in how we're talking about living. When our souls are at rest, the good news is is that we have confidence. He says, we have confidence, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And so when our love is in motion, our souls will be at rest and we are able to call upon God for anything we need to do what he has commanded and asked us to do. And so um, here's the big idea. Don't put the cart before the heart. Okay? Don't put the Christian cart of love before the heart of your own life. Because you cannot love like Jesus with a heart of stone. And until you're born again, that's what you have. Paul tells us, man, he will write upon us a new law on the letters of our heart. He will take away the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. See, we're spiritually dead until we come to life. And, that, and we can't get the cart of trying to be a Christian, trying to do Christian things before the heart and giving it to Jesus. If you give your heart to Jesus and you just surrender at the cross of Calvary and admit, I'm a sinner who stands in need of grace, your actions are just going to follow. As long as you just keep giving them that heart. Just keep sitting with him, abiding with him, listening to him. He's going to show you what things that need to go away from your life and what things need to be added to your life. He's, he's going to walk with you. The word of God is, is, is alive. It's active. It's sharper than two, any two-edged sword. It's able to separate the physical marrow from the, the spiritual stuff, the, the, the physical stuff in our lives from the spiritual. So I sit with Jesus, man. Like I don't sit with Jesus in the word to try to figure out what to teach you people. That's a, that's a different type of study for me. I <laughs> Come on, Lord. I sit with Jesus to take his yoke upon me and learn from him so that I can be like him. I sit with Jesus to be blown away and go, why are you so good to me? So that I can hear him say, because I love you. I sit with Jesus so that I can be reaffirmed that as my heart of flesh tries to condemn me and tell me I'm not good enough, Jesus can whisper in my ear, 
you're mine. You're all mine. And I love you. And I care about you. I care so much about you that as you're trying to walk this love in motion out, I'm going to give you whatever you need, Jimmy. Just ask. And I never find myself asking for things that are emotional from my head, but from my heart. This is why I can ask and be assured that God will give me anything that I need to accomplish the things that he wants to be done here. What does the, the, the Lord's Prayer teach us? Jesus teaches us in the model. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread, Jesus. Why, why would Jesus give me that? Because he knows my heart of flesh will condemn me and he's building my spiritual heart as a child of his. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. What is he trying to say to us? I got everything you need to do this. All you got to do is let me have your heart. And I'll move all that religion out of your head. I'll do a work in your life. And you'll be a new creation. And my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And you will find rest for your soul. Focus on the heart and the Christian cart will always follow. You focus on the cart and you'll burn out every time. You can't do it. It's not in you. Not enough, there's just not enough in you to be able to do what Jesus asks us to do. The only way to be like Jesus is to be with Jesus. I'm reminded of Peter and James, I believe it was. <laughs> just simple dudes, fishermen. And the religious leaders pull them in and they start questioning them. Trained minds, the brightest of the Jewish people, are grilling the fishermen. And the fishermen are smoking them. And they took note that those men had been with Jesus. You see, they, they were different. And, 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 and so... Like, if your heart, I just want to say to you, like, as boldly as I can say, I am assured in my heart that I know Jesus. I don't care if I have a funeral. I don't care who preaches my funeral. It doesn't matter what they say at my funeral. I do not need a man to get up and say to all my friends, I knew Jesus. Because my heart assures me <laughs> that I'm his kid. And so you could do anything to me you want. You can harm my kids. I can learn I have a terminal disease. Things cannot work out for me quite like I would like. But you can't touch my heart because it belongs to Jesus. And that, my friends, is freedom. It's not religion, it's freedom. 
It is the gospel. And Jesus says, all who come to me may drink from the fountain of life. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.